What's up, botherinas? It has been two weeks since the last time I posted. The last one was with my friend Lisa, and I wanted to leave that one up extra long so that everybody got a chance to hear it and it didn't slip into the cracks. I did end up accomplishing and ending up getting more listeners for that one. And it was just because I wanted people to actually be able to see a trans person showing you the real side of them and i wanted everybody or as many people as i could get to see it or hear it hear it uh because it's with the way things are on the news and stuff right now it's really hard to i feel get a good sense of what a lot of trans people are like and i don't consider my friend lisa to be in the minority i think she's in the quiet majority when it comes to trans people. A lot of trans people are very well adjusted and very comfortable with themselves and very open and willing to answer questions. But because of the way some of the younger generation treats everything as if it's transphobic, it dissuades other people from asking questions or feeling like they can even start the dialogue. And granted, me and Lisa have been friends for over 20 years, so there were certain questions I could ask just because we're friends and she knew that we were doing a podcast that maybe you couldn't always ask the same way if you were just meeting somebody, but there's no reason why you can't build relationships with trans people or people that are different from you, and that's a lot of what I wanted to show in that podcast too was sometimes it's as easy as just reaching out and making a friend and getting to know that friend in the most genuine way like you would any other friend. I think that's one of the things with a lot of trans people's trans people even the ones that come off as defensive. I think in a lot of cases like everybody else they want acceptance and they want to be friends with people. They just don't always know how to go about it because we're all living in a world where we've kind of stayed away from each other for for a long time. And I uh I will do do a part two, which is with Lisa's boyfriend. We've already recorded it. Lisa's boyfriend's boyfriend Trey, who happens to be female to male trans. The only reason I haven't uploaded it yet, I listened to it the other day, and it's so good. I, and I'm not saying that like tooting my own horn so, sort of way. It was just I really was getting to know him for the first time because that was the first time he and I had actually gotten to chat chat. Like I met him with Lisa and we hung out, you know, the day that he was over to record the episode that Lisa was on. But it was my first time getting to say like, hey, who are you? What are you about? You know, that kind of stuff. And it was a good conversation. And he too was really, really open. And I think for a lot of people, there's something about that that they just don't understand. Like when a trans person dates another trans person and... I just decided to put one episode in between because I'm right now on the road with Jill Kimmel. So this episode is going to be me talking to Jill Kimmel. I've known her for several years now. I think we decided 2010 or maybe it was 2000. I think it was 2010 when we met. But either way, uh, I really like her. And I like her even more after this conversation that you're about to hear because... She's just so open and so down to earth and never makes a secret of the fact that she's not a perfect person. And that's a lot of times what will make will draw me to people. Is It's like, I don't need perfect. I, I see perfect on TV and it never turns out to be perfect. It's, uh, and I have, you know, a few people in my life th that have passed through that have been perfect and 
there was usually a lot going on underneath. So with the people that are that admit to being less than perfect, it's it's helpful because there's a what you see is what you get type of feel. And to me, that's more comforting. Excuse me, that's more comforting than expecting someone to be uh, perfect. As far as the Christopher report, I know I haven't gotten to do one of those because I've been doing the interview uh, podcast, but that I, uh, you know, we had our first real disagreement this last couple of days or our first kind of real bumpy patch, but I don't plan on going anywhere. And as far as I can tell, he doesn't plan on going anywhere either. That's going to happen in every relationship. I wouldn't say that we're at a particularly bad spot, I would just say that it's, you're getting to know somebody. And when it comes down to it, we're going on nine months of being together. It's We just passed the eight-month mark, October 4th. So we're going on nine months of being together, and there's some getting used to each other and getting to know each other a little bit better and maybe him trusting me a little bit more when it comes to talking to me and telling me what he's actually feeling so I know what's going on instead of just having to guess, which is what happens sometimes. And then I am constantly, I wouldn't say I'm constantly unloading. It's not like an abusive relationship in any way with that boy. I am so in love with him. But as far as uh, you hear me on the podcast, you've heard me on the podcast. I'm very open. I'm very free with this is what I'm going through right now. This is what I'm feeling right now. And I try not to be too heavy about that, but I'm always open to being like, yeah, this is what it is. And this is what I need from you. And this is what's happening in life right now. And, you know, he's not the same in that way. So he listens to me and we, you know, try to figure shit out. But sometimes I'm like... I'm just as open to hearing you and want to make you happy as you do with me. So maybe don't suppress some of that stuff and share it with me, which maybe is, you know, even though I was brief more than I should say about my relationship with another person in a public forum, but it's out there. I love him very much and I'll make adjustments until there's no more adjustments to be made and then we can move on if that ends up being what happens but i don't see that happening that i don't know he's a little too much mine and i'm a little too much his for that and it's not the kind of thing i'm really thinking about just sometimes i need to clear my head and be alone with my thoughts and Sometimes people ask me, you know, because I'm very open about the fact that I've cheated in every other relationship I've been in. And sometimes people ask me if that's happened with my relationship here. And, you know, as much as I sometimes get a little frustrated with this boy, I'm not going anywhere. And that's not something that's at all happening or, you know. Uh, any, anything anybody needs to worry about or think about, I'm with him. Hashtag I'm with him. He's my Hillary. Anyway, I love you all, and I hope you enjoy this interview, and I love Jill Kimmel, and shout out and thank you to Jill Kimmel for actually taking the time to come over and do this and for being the amazing energy that you are. I do appreciate you. Everybody, enjoy this episode, and please, 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 like I say at the end of every episode, Stay unbothered. 
Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Damn, Gina. What about the fancy room with the Aquapana bottle? You, I uh, requested because I wanted the mini fridge. And so I asked them if they could put me in a room that has a mini fridge. All right, you want to do a test real quick? Hello? Hello? Are you, are you there? Hello? Can you hear me? <laughs> you sound like Anyone? you're in a horror movie, like you just walked <laughs> yeah, into the exactly. haunted house, like, hello? <laughs> Daryl? <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's getting killed. Totally Anybody that's getting, named Daryl. Daryl's either a redneck or black. <laughs> yep. One of the two. And either or way, like dead. an artsy woman. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> you know, you text me and I forgot that I still have your name as your married name. Oh, yeah. Previously. My mom even did for a while. I was like, can you please change that in your phone? Yeah, I think we're all just, you know. People get used to something. I don't and then think we're anybody like, cares That's except me. I'm like, ugh, get rid of it. Yeah, because it doesn't have an attachment to me. Like, you know, it's right. not like I think of, exactly. like, you know, like, oh, like, she's still married. Well, that was a really hard time in her life. I should really <laughs> delete her last name. No, no one cares. Yeah, I don't think about it as that deep. I'm just like, oh, that's just what I started in back it's then. But it's okay. I need to change it, though, for my own. I need closure. Do you? <laughs> I need closure. I don't blame you. I mean, it's. It's. Uh, it makes sense to me that my friends would need closure on my divorce. You know. Um, it, you know what is funny though, because you will forget, and there will be a time. Well, not you, but like there'll be other comics that I work with that will introduce me, and yeah. they will say Jill Bryan because in their head they, you know, have. And I'm like, Ugh, like it's the last thing I want to hear. Three and a half years after your divorce is your old ass last name. Yeah, so it was never an option for you to just keep it. You know how some people just stay. Like that. I literally wanted to change it before I was ever even divorced. Okay. Because honestly, he always did this thing to me where when he was insulting me, he would call me Jill Kimmel. Like it was an insult. Okay, Jill Kimmel. Like, I don't know exactly where, he, like, I felt like he was, it was like this insulty, like, oh, you know, I, and I always felt like that's not an insult to Kinda me. Like and you guess think what? You're you married Jill Kimmel. Yeah. So like, yeah, there was, oh, I never, he never made me feel like that was my name. I always felt like an imposter. It was, it's kind of weird. I used to have a guy I work with and he would always he did the Jill Bryan dance, he called it. And he'd be like, Jill Bryan, Jill Bryan. He would do this little dance and sing that to me. And I literally always felt like he was talking about somebody else. And we were married for 19 years. Wow. Yeah, I guess I never felt like a team with my ex-husband. Yeah. And so I think that just kind of always was in every aspect. I never felt like I needed to ask him about anything. Like, you know, people were like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing in July? We're going to go camping do you think you guys would want to go it was never in my mind like well let me see what he no it was i made the plans i did it i said what was happening he followed suit and like i don't like being the boss it's nice to like sit back and have someone else plan stuff sometimes and was that kind of from the beginning or did it develop at a point that you day one day one it part just of never it, that's my personality and part of it is he just let it happen yeah so if if that's your personality and someone else lets you do it then you're gonna and the next thing you know you're his mom 
Yeah. Were you, um, when you first met him, obviously you were very much in love. Yeah. You know, like he was handsome and he was nice to me. He had two little kids. He was a really good dad to them. And, and I just, and I had a shitty boyfriend before him of like three and a half years. Oh, I didn't know you had two kids. Yeah. Oh God. Well, <laughs> he's got six kids and only two of them are mine. And, uh, two of them we found out about after we were married. Wow. Give me just a second. I'm like, I love how we just jumped into this. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> I just, uh... You'll like cut and be like, by the way, this week. <laughs> Here's the intro. Yeah, that's what I'm going to have to do, but it's great because we're already good chat. I just realized <laughs> my nose was bothering me and I'm like, I'm not going to sit here with it running and I'm not going to be one of those kids that or people that act like <laughs> right. kids and, you know. Wipes, wipes, wipes. Yeah, no, thank Slow you. Slow your nose. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, when I met my ex-husband, he had two little kids. They were four and two. They were adorable, great kids. Um, fast forward seven years. We're married for three years. I'm four months pregnant. You know, we, we were engaged for two years. And then so seven years later, I'm four months pregnant with our son. And we've been married for three years already at this point. And we find out he has another kid. Now, this was a kid that he had when he was single between his divorce and marrying me. Mm -hmm. He didn't know about. He dated this girl for like a month. They broke up. A month or so later, she turns up pregnant. He doesn't think a lot of it. She had been dating his friend. He thinks it's the friends. The friend thinks it's the friends. Turns out it was really his, and she knew. So we didn't find out until this kid was like seven that he was actually my ex-husband's kid. Wow. Yeah. So now he's got the two older kids. He's got this kid, and then we've got my son. And then we have my daughter, two years later. And then a year ago, I get a phone call looking for him, and I'm like, oh, he doesn't live here anymore. We're divorced. We, you know, would you like me to forge your number Did on you him? Did you say a year ago? Yeah, we'd been divorced a couple of years. And so, yes, one year ago, 2017, 2017, this woman calls, and she's like looking for him. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't live here anymore. You know, I can pass your number on to him. And she's like, well... My niece actually has been looking for her dad, and this kid is two months older than his oldest. So now there's six kids, four women, four moms, and I've never been happier to not have to deal with another saga in my life. When I found out I was with my boyfriend and I just was laughing, I was like, he has another kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. And when the when the mom to the one that you guys found out about what seven years right. in was that uh, when when she came around, was it one of those situations where she was like, I want money or was it? It was I guess she had filed for um, like food stamps or some kind of financial assistance or whatever it was. And they made her put the name of the father down on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. So she put his name down. And they came after him because, you know, the state's like, well, if there's a dad around, why are we paying? Yeah. Right. And so they money. came after him and she lived like in Pennsylvania or somewhere and he had to do, go do a DNA test. And sure enough, that was his kid. And so now he's got like a 30 year old who turned 30 in July. That's the one we just found out about a year ago. A 30 year old who turned 30 in September. They're just two months apart. Different moms. And then a 28 year old. And those kids aren't mine. And then he's got like the 20 six-year-old 26 i think she, he is that's the one we found out about when he was like seven mm -hmm. and then my two who are 18 and 16 
I made him have a vasectomy after my daughter was born a couple years in because I didn't even know about that last one yet. But I was like, I'll be damned if my kids have to have yet another sibling floating around. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, and is he a good dad? He is. He loves his kids very much. Um, so in that way, yes, he's a very good. They all know that they're loved. And mm -hmm. I guess that's the most important thing. You can't teach that. You know, you can't. It's not money. Money comes and goes and things like that. But they definitely know that he loves them. Yeah, no, that is that's a good thing. I feel the same with my parents. Like they're very, you know, what's your what are your parents like? Are they super affectionate? Yes. My dad isn't super affectionate. He's German Irish. And so that side of the family, they kind of weren't super like the first time he'd ever really like hugged or kissed a man was my grandfather my mom's dad when they met my grandfather went over to give him a big hug you know they're italian and my dad was like oh my god i was just kissed by me. like what is happening super so he's not affectionate very physical but he always a hug and a cheek kiss you know when you see him or when you're leaving so he's learned that over the years it's something you can learn but very wonderful and shows his love in ways like I took your car to get the oil changed. I came over. I planted succulents in your yard. I called the guy to come repaint the house. Like, that's how he shows his love. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom is like, forget it. Walk in. <laughs> she's cooking for you. She's feeding you. She's looking up things online to figure out why you've got a bruise on your leg that won't go away. <laughs> she's like all up in your ass. Because your mom is uh, Italian? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. your mom's Italian. Your dad, you said, is? German-Irish. German-Irish. So yeah, they're very, they're both very loving in their ways. And like, I mean, I couldn't have asked for better parents. They're really good. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of food did that usually mean? You guys? Always Italian. You? Oh, always yeah. Italian. So <laughs> and my dad's fine charge. with it. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, my mother would bust out the corned beef and cabbage, and she would make green shamrock-shaped pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> that was the day my father got his food. Yeah, that was his right. day. But um, no, he was fine with it because my mom's such a good cook, and she cooks kind of everything. Mm -hmm. So she'll make chimichangas, and she'll make, and she's super into like, oh, I found this recipe for this. Like she's a great cook. There's nothing she can't do. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm one of the people that. Uh, I wouldn't say I stalk you online, but I definitely pay attention to your to life. It's hard you're to like post a, a lot. You're <laughs> almost like a, um, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow. Like you're <laughs> almost like a lifestyle guru on Facebook. It's like, what's Jill doing today? <laughs> are we going to chastise her for it today? Or yeah, that's, it's funny because I do post a lot because I kind of feel like it's my job, like with comedy. Like some of it's me posting to kind of get a feel for how people feel about stuff. Because uh -huh. I don't really do like jokes. I do, as you know, like stories about my life. So I'll post something and see how people react to it, kind of get a feel for how an audience might react. So a little bit of it's that. And then a little bit of it's just I'm bored and I'm sitting at home all day literally doing nothing because, you know, we work at night. You so. are a liar. You're not doing nothing. <laughs> I see your Facebook and you're doing a lot of right, shit. That was just That's why week. we all pay attention because it's always like, you know, where is she? Who is she around? I mean, like, you know, because you're always around your family or I it seems like, you know, can. you're around your family a lot. And so there's the California trips. Then That's you've got way. a connection that I'm really, I've learned to not be jealous of because I've got a boyfriend now. But you yeah, knowing Jeff Lewis. Mm. Oh, I was so jealous of you. I got to you. meet him once. I wouldn't say I know him, but I met him once. And my mom knows him because he redid her house. But um, I mean, like if I saw him again, I could be like, oh, I'm Joan Kimmel's daughter. And he would be like, oh, so he wouldn't know. But it's not like we text. I'm so jealous. I was literally just watching the show. Yeah, I'm jealous. I, yeah. I, I used to see him at my gym in Hollywood when I would go when I was living in Hollywood. 
I would see him quite a bit at the gym on El Centro and Hollywood Boulevard. Was that like Equinox or like one no, of the fancy gyms? No, you'd be surprised. It was L.A. Fitness. Really? Yes. Wow. L.A. Fitness. And the first time I saw him, I was like, one, he's beefier than I expected. Yeah, he is. In the best way. Yes. It's not like he's, right. he's a not fat chunky. guy on it. Yeah, he's, he's like just built. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And two, because, you know, he's got those obviously uh, enhanced lips, lips. <laughs> but they don't look as out of place in real life as they kind of do on the show, which yeah. they still look attractive on the show, but they just, you know, they look they're bigger. Like, uh, yeah, they're nice. But yeah, he's you see him in real guy. life. Oh, and yeah. And Gage, what a sweetheart. I haven't seen him. I he's see Jeff adorable. Lewis. And like, he's everything that you would want your best friend's husband to be. Like, he really is a nice... My mother is, like, so in love. She calls him Gagey. She <laughs> yeah. She loves him. If yes. I were to see him, I'd probably just be like, you Fangirl bitch. out. <laughs> I mean, like, a Gage, you know, just, you bitch. <laughs> Some people have all the luck. Yeah, and but I saw Jeff Lewis on Wendy Williams the other day. Like Really? Maybe a week and a half ago. He was on Wendy Williams, and it seemed like he wasn't the happiest with Gage. Well, he always seems kind of bitchy towards Gage. And I worry that when you're, I mean, and I'm not going to say that on his show he's portraying a character, but like you and I know, and maybe not everybody knows, but like generally reality TV, I'm not going to say it's scripted because some of the shows I'm sure have some scripting. And I think it's more like um, set up situations, mm -hmm. but they do sometimes encourage certain behavior. Like you're the bad guy. So yeah. you kind of play up. Everybody's got that side of them, but you kind of play it up. Cause that's why people watch. It's called flipping out for a reason. Yes. Cause he's flipping houses, but also cause Jeff likes to flip out over stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, and so it's kind of your persona. So now all of a sudden in, it spills over into real life sometimes. And I, I always wonder about that. Like, is that when the cameras are off, is he just sweet to gauge who deserves that? Or is he still got his like, well, like yesterday's episode was like, well, one, you didn't take your glass upstairs. Two, you didn't walk the dog. So they peed in the house. Three, he listed like five things that Gage had done that were like these offenses that the only one of which was like, you didn't let the dogs out. I could understand him being like, the dogs peed in the house. You didn't let them out. Yeah. But like, you didn't take your glass upstairs. Like, get off me. Seriously? Yeah, that's that's one thing and I would And Gage is like, well, discuss. here are the things I did do. I woke up three times in the middle of the night with our crying daughter. I, You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, you wonder, is... I always worry, is that going to ruin a relationship like these TV shows? Well, you know, reality TV usually does lead to divorce. That's, you know, Nick and Jessica, frequent. like pretty uh, much, you know. Have the, you seen her? She's given birth to her next kid. She has given birth or she's giving I, birth? Well, I saw it yesterday where she clearly hadn't given birth because okay. she was like the size of like six Jessicas. I, know, I didn't even know it was her. She's playing with fire. Because yeah. she doesn't have one of those bounce back bodies, you know, she's <laughs> <laughs> get in line. <laughs> she doesn't. But the thing is that it, it seems uncomfortable. Like I remember being very heavy and very pregnant and you just you almost feel like your skin's going to split. Yeah, because that's one thing that I should mention for anybody that hasn't met Jill before. Uh, first off, I well, I'll do an intro, but I we're know. talking to Jill Kimmel <laughs> right now. Jill Kimmel is a Phoenix uh, Phoenix comic. Would you yeah. describe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know, I consider myself an L.A. comic because I was there right. for so long. But I live in Phoenix now. and uh, Yeah, but I've only really lived in Phoenix since I've been doing comedy. Yeah, okay. And you've done some L.A. stuff, though. And yeah, I mean, I've done stuff kind of all over the place. But I mean, I've always lived in Phoenix for and 12 then years. And Jill just recently had her first major credit, which yeah. is uh, Heart of the City. Yes. And how was meeting Kevin Hart? He was so nice. We didn't meet him for a long time. Um, you guys just sit at the table, right? We do had that. to do, yeah. So Heart of the City, if people don't know, it's Kevin Hart puts it on. It's on Comedy Central, and it's, I think they just filmed their third season. And they, and we were, I was on the second season. They come to different cities that have big comedy communities. They do like a showcase of maybe 15 to 20 comics. They'll pick three to four that they like, and they cast you on an episode. And then they do a roundtable discussion with all, for us it was four comics and Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it was like four, it was Three comics, Jay Mack and Brian Ritchie, who I love, I've worked with a million times, and this one guy, Terrence Delane, who I guess is from Phoenix, and but he moved kind of right after high school to L.A., so a lot of people took issue with it. Like, he's not even a Phoenix comic. He didn't even do, just because his family lives there, you know, but... Um, and there were a couple other comics who probably could have fit the bill, but whatever the case, they picked Terrence, and he was really good, and he's really funny. He's this young guy, and he's kind of this hot, young guy and he was funny and great and fit right in so it was the four of us and we got to know terrence like through doing that the other the other two of us i don't i don't think j mac knew him but i know brian didn't so we got to know him and it was the four of us kind of like so excited like oh my god this is really i think all of our first real tv credit and then kevin no it was because you you weren't allowed to have done stand-up at all on tv to be on the show that was the thing so there were a couple comics that were kind of a little butthurt over and the thing was you could not have they called me when they were telling me that i was one of the ones selected and he was like you're gonna tell me that you have not done stand-up on i was like and then i'm panicking like oh my god have i and i'm like (laughs) i mean i knew i hadn't but he was like you can't. I said, well, I, I've done a few acting things. Like, I've done a few things. He's like, no, just stand-up is all we're worried about. I said, no, I haven't. He said, okay, good. Because, like, even if I had that, like, Steve Hofstetter, like, laughs, yeah. like, thing, no, they would not have let you do it. So he was like, okay, lock yourself in a room until we film in August. Because you cannot – he said, one girl we had we really liked, three days before filming, we found out she had some little credit – and we couldn't use her. Uh. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, well, I don't think we have to worry about that. But um, so, yeah. So they, we all met. And Kevin came in. He did a little roundtable with the four of us. He asked us all different questions. And he asked one question of all four of us. And, like, he would go around. And then I think when they cut it, they showed, like, just one person's answer. Like, whoever's was the most interesting or whatever. Yeah. And, um, of course, they picked all of mine. For, no. And, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was interesting. It was funny to see other people that you know kind of interacting with someone famous. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see the like excitement level, the nerves in a person. Like I couldn't see my own. So I, but to see Brian Ritchie, who is a great comic, has been around forever, was like my mentor when I started and still like gives me notes and advice. And to see him like, you could see the excitement level rise in him was really just kind of neat. It was kind of like seeing a little kid meet like, and Kevin was sweet and he asked us questions and he was interesting and he was kind and he was generous with his time. And then when we filmed the actual set, the show that night, he was there in the back of the room with his people watching at a Where table. Where were you guys? Was we it in Phoenix? We filmed at a place called Michael's in, I think it's called Michael's, in Phoenix. It's at Parks, the old Park Central Mall. 
and they like redid it to look like a comedy. Like they did a great job. Whoever uh -huh. the production, I guess it was Comedy Central, but they did a great job. They redid it and they had the whole place filled up. And um, yeah, it was really fun, a really good experience. And it was very intimate. So it felt like a good crowd. Like, Did you get to have friends? Yes, out? we were allowed to have two guests. Um, I guess you could have asked for like one or two more, but they really wanted it to be a crowd of people that weren't your friends. Yeah. So we were allowed to have two guests. So like my parents were out of town, like everybody was out of town kind of. So um, I had asked my really good friend Lou, um, Lou Valentino, she's been in radio in Phoenix for like a lot of years. And so I asked her to come because she was super supportive and my boyfriend Jason. So they came and that was really cool. And um, then Brian had like, Casey, who works at the Improv, come and his sister, and like it was just to have a couple of people I've there. I met for you, Brian's me. sister. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. Brian's a person that I like a lot too. Like yeah. I've known him for yeah several years now, and he's he recently was doing that where he was teaching that comedy class. Yeah, and I know some uh, some of my friends went and did that. You know, I was gonna go hang out sometime just to go hang out with him. You know, right, <laughs> like yeah. but then I was like, mm, I got stuff to do. I know. <laughs> I don't want them asking me advice for free. Yeah, Brian's and you know, paid. like, it's like, I love them, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not showing I'm up so on a Thursday way. or whatever. Like, if you want to come by and I'm like, no. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I'm home with no makeup on. What are yeah, you am I on? Am I doing a set? Is there some? Am I getting paid? Yeah, Is there like a bag something? of Doritos for me? Something? <laughs> then I'm not going. Then I yeah. won't be seeing. Not that I'm above it. I'm just lazy. Same with me. Yeah, Thank it's you. not. Yeah, I'm not coming at it from the like I'm better than this. It's just uh. I'm tired. Yeah, I got shit There's to a boyfriend do. Boyfriend to be cuddle at home. With. Yeah, yeah. Well, that changes things too. Which that's what I was. We were just about to talk about before I decided to do your late intro. <laughs> that was my. I started instead of check baby check baby one two. I just was like talking randomly about my ex husband. It was good though. It's it's a good start. It's, it's this it's podcast is good the for mind this. of Jill Kimmel. Exactly, and this podcast you just jump into it. Like that's I like why that. you know I just start recording at a point, and then I'm like, okay, we'll just pick it up. Gotcha. Uh, but what your um, when I first met you, you weighed a lot more than you weigh now. I probably weighed less when I met you than I ended up weighing. Like, I wasn't at my heaviest weight when I met you. I ended up weighing 272 pounds, and I'm five, six and a half. Wow. So, yeah, I was really big. And it's funny because with weight gain, it's like you don't ever feel that fat until you see pictures because you're looking at yourself in a mirror. Weight gain, it's like one ounce at a time, you mm -hmm. know? So it's one pant size at a time. It's one blouse size at a time. And the next thing you know instead of being the size eight or 10 you were in high school, you're a 22. And it's shocking to see pictures. When I saw a picture of myself next to Ralphie May, and I was not that much smaller than him. Wow. That was kind of tough for someone who, as Ralphie, who had been known as like the heavy comedian, the heavy guy, like it's awful. And I tried everything. And especially being a woman, because there's also yeah. that. Because, and I, not just being a woman, but I was like a hot fucking chick. Mm -hmm. Like, not gonna lie. I was gorgeous. Yeah. I had the big 80s hair and the tiny 18 inch waist. And I was a Hooters girl. And everywhere I went, I got free shit. Like, God bless America. <laughs> and then I get married and the weight starts creeping up. And then I have a baby and then I lose the baby weight, but I'm still 
30 pounds heavier than I was when I met my ex. And then I get pregnant again. And then I am at my highest weight. And then I don't lose the baby weight. And so now I'm 260 pounds. And now I'm miserable. And so guess what? If I start a diet today, in one week, I'm not going to be skinny. So I may as well just keep eating. Like that's kind of the mentality I was in. And it sucked. And I would try And I was on Weight Watchers. And I did Atkins. And I did the cabbage soup diet and I took fen-fen and then I just took the half of fen-fen that wasn't banned and then I took some shit that I got at a truck stop that my friend Ramsey picked up for me because he saw it and it said weight loss and he thought it might help and and I did everything I mean and people are like did you exercise okay no but my point <laughs> is that <laughs> honestly you know exercise is really only 10% of getting in shape yeah it's really what you diet eat. yeah sure so, and I did weight, and I, I did lose some weight, and then it came back. I mean, I did everything. So, I finally ended up having weight loss surgery. I had the lap band. Um, insurance wouldn't cover it, paid, my parents paid for it $14,000. I was miserable. Yeah. Had the lap band, and it just went south. The only reason I was losing any weight is because I was constantly vomiting. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I was exhausted all the time. I was sick all the time. Anything I ate, I threw up. I lost like 80 pounds because I was vomiting all the time. What year was that? Or that was 2010. It was October 2010, and I was working at the Improv at the time in their office as their PR manager. Mm-hmm. I was working there. I was sick um, all the time, and it just was awful. And so about... God, I had it for two years, and I was sick. So 2012, I was so sick. I was so sick all the time. I could feel the acid in my throat burning. I felt like I was getting cancer in my esophagus. Mm -hmm. Like, you know when you can, like, feel something happening in your body, and you just – I was – so I I went. I got a second opinion. The guy that I kept going to, my surgeon, was like, "Mm, okay, well, let's just take the fluid out of the band. And I was like, okay, but now I can eat normally. So, like – what is the point of having – so then he put some fluid back in. They were trying to, like, get to the sweet spot. They'd take fluid out they put, so that I wasn't throwing up, but my eating was restricted. Turns out I go to get a second opinion two years in. The guy does one upper GI, and he's like, your lap band has slipped 80% of the way down your stomach. This is why you're sick all the time. It's supposed to be sitting at the top of your stomach. It's all the way down. Uh-huh. That's why you're throwing everything up. Okay, well, why didn't the first surgeon see that? That doctor admitted me to the hospital that night. He was like, come in tonight. I'm in in the morning and I'm doing, I'm taking it out. He took it out, saved my life, but then I gained all my weight back within a year. And so um, Cass McPherson, who's another local Phoenix comic Uh that you know, um, she was saying she was interested in getting the gastric sleeve surgery, which is a different surgery where they just cut off 80% of your stomach. Your stomach's small, so now you can only eat a little bit. And I was like... Really? She's like, yeah, my insurance covers it. I said, you have the same insurance I do. She's like, I know. So I called. They're like, yeah, it covers it. So I went and I did like a six month. They make you do like a six month. You have to have like a psyche val and like all that heart stuff, whatever. Yeah. And sure enough, I got the surgery and that was March of 2013. And 110 something pounds later, I've kept it off this whole time and just like. Yeah, and you look great, and it's... Thank you, except for under the clothes, which I showed you last night, much to your chagrin, I'm sure. Um, Everything's loose. 
I'm that friend though, so I'm yeah. not at all like I don't. I never feel I any kind like, of way about you. That. Nodded like okay, like you're like okay. I'm taking in facts. Like, yeah, because like, I'm I'm that friend. Everybody shows me everything. Look at this. Yeah, I'm always. Do you like, see how it's like a melting candle? <laughs> yeah, and I'm always right. like, yeah, like, shit okay. happens. All right, you know? facts, yeah. right? But yeah, but I mean, I feel so much better in clothes, and I, I look better in clothes. I feel better in real life. So if I had to stay this way with the flabby stomach and everything, I would absolutely be fine. But I am really leaning towards getting that tummy tuck. I have a date actually scheduled in January, and I'm still a little bit hesitant, but I think I'm going to do it. You know, I just feel like life's too short. Do whatever makes you happy. Or I know, and I, I, but I, my question is, will it make me happy? Will I be like, fuck, now I've got a huge scar all around me? I know. I've, I've So seen that's the, kind of yeah. really where the hesitation comes in. So I'm like, is, is a big scar going to make me feel more sexy than a flappy stomach i think it will i think so too especially like because they can put the scar where you don't really see it right, if you're wearing like a bathing suit my and doctor stuff. or my boyfriend will see yeah it. and like your boyfriend already loves you the, the way you are I can't, right i know he's like do whatever that's what he says yeah he's like do whatever makes you happy like it doesn't bother me but it bothers me yeah no i wouldn't yeah I, so i found a great surgeon randomly who i feel is very destined by fate to do this surgery because mm -hmm. i was telling you last night she randomly followed me on Instagram and I saw some of the pictures and I thought this before picture looks just like my stomach now. And the after picture looks amazing. I got to go see this surgeon. So I set up an appointment and I went and we're chatting for a little bit over an hour. One thing leads to another. She finds out my name and she goes, I did your father's skin cancer surgery. And I'm like, that is so random. And I said, oh, is that why you followed me on Instagram? You saw my last name? She's like, no, I don't do my Instagram account like a former patient does it. I don't have anything to do with that. And I feel like that has to be fate, right? Or do we not believe in fate? I don't know. Oh, I believe in fate. Yeah, I'm always I feel like picking that's up like, signs. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I'm so like, I'm excited. I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm always like, this is meant to be. Right. Yes. <laughs> when I find good parking, I even feel like it's meant to be. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm okay, always like, good. I'm meant to be here. Yes. It's, I found a parking right in front. It's packed right now. I'm going to have a great set. Yeah, I'm meant yeah. to be here. I'm that guy. Yeah, everything's it's it's kind of maybe unhealthy. it's like looking for hope in the world or something, like looking yeah. for a shining, like maybe to justify to myself wanna, I want to have this surgery. Like, well, I found this doctor who did my dad's randomly. I have to have it, right? Those Instagram pictures, though, if that's what she's what she does they're great so i would i'll you know. show you another one later that doesn't have any but of this other person who i guess they did also have weight loss surgery and they've lost like 180 pounds they had so much skin like i don't even know how they lost like it must have been the f you got to see these pictures it's insane the amount of skin she removed uh -huh. and i wouldn't say like now the lady's stomach looks like a model or anything but for sure she's gonna look a million times better in clothes yeah so, well, so, you know, that's one if thing. If you'd like to donate to my fund, <laughs> <laughs> hit her up, Jill Kimmel. Venmo, Jill Kimmel. <laughs> I accept PayPal and Venmo. <laughs> or if you want to just um, zelly me from my Bank of America account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zell and Venmo are the two. Uh, Is PayPal. it called Zell? I don't know. I've only ever seen it written, so I didn't know. I always say Zell. Sure. I just assumed it was Zell like Gazelle. Oh, oh, okay. That's what I assumed. Like but L the magazine with a Z. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, those two are great. Uh, PayPal, 
takes a fee unless they the Friends person chooses to yeah. pay. Oh yeah, and then there's also the gift on PayPal. Yeah, where you, you can do, do that. It as far, I'm like, well, I'm whatever. It's so weird to me when, like, even my hairdresser. I'm like, can I just? She's like, oh, I don't have that. I'm like, okay, it's an app. Yeah. Do you have a bank account? Then you can have Venmo. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to track anything. You don't have to pay anything. Why am I stopping at the bank every time I'm on my way here? It's and just I have intimidating. to say, how much is it going to be this time? Because sometimes it's a little more depending on if she colors all the hair or just the roots. I hate and that. I, how I hate much is it going to be situation? You know, it's like, I don't want it. Yeah. And I'm Can with I you. Just, just send you money. But my girl is the same way. The the one that when I get braided and stuff like uh -huh. that, she's cash only. So it's always like, I mean, like, I understand Killing cash only, smalls. wink, wink, and the reasons why. Uh -huh. But Venmo and PayPal are basically cash only. Just select the friends and family option. Yeah. These people. Dumb. Um, uh, Not yeah. dumb. I love her. I love her. No, but, yeah, it's it's interesting to me when people aren't current with something that would make their lives so much easier. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it's so simple. But I also think it's because I have to admit, the first time I did Venmo, it was because that's the only way that Comedy Juice at Irvine pays. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Though. They're just like Venmo. Well, I had I didn't have Venmo. So in my head, I was like, oh, another thing I have to, and I have to connect my right. bank information. And I just was like, I always hate, especially in this day and age, because people are such so sophisticated when it comes to online thievery yes that i'm always like uh i don't want to connect my I'm bank i'm always like you know what i don't have that much in there like <laughs> whatever i'm always like it's all i got i'm always thinking <laughs> of the emails i'm gonna get now because i have one more app on my phone Oh, yeah. And, and also, like, you know, if you have to connect your phone number, then you're going to get strange phone calls for sure. a while and you never know where those are coming from. And I so. know. And I try. Like, I got one. I was getting them kind of frequently every day about the student loan thing. Uh -huh. And they're like, oh, you know, you have been selected to make your student. I never had a student loan. I went to frickin ASU. And when I went a zillion years ago, the total cost for 12 credits for the semester was six hundred and thirty five dollars. Wow. So, Yeah. So there was no such thing as a student loan because, like, if you couldn't pay the $600 to go to ASU, well, God help you. Yeah, you go know? work on cars. I was, I was just going to say go to a trade school. <laughs> yeah. For real. Like, I mean, and I, I mean, Metro probably, tech. probably even was a little bit of a struggle for my parents at the time. Because, you know, an extra $600 a semester, you know, doesn't grow on trees for working people. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't have a student loan for that. Wonder, I'm trying to think. I know we met at um, Slow. Yes, I think that is that is where we met. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I remember. Because I hadn't met you, and I was excited because I was going to the San Luis Obispo Comedy Festival as like a scout, a talent scout uh -huh. for the newly opened Stand Up Live. They were cute. They like paid for my airfare, and like Mark Fry, like the SLO guys, gave me a room, and so I felt very professional and really had no business doing what I was doing. Because you had your own room. I well, yeah, I had a little open mic called Bongos in. No, but you had your own hotel room because oh, the own rest room. of and us it was did. Huge. Yeah. And thank God it was my own because I was sick as a dog that weekend. I think I had bronchitis or something. I was so sick. I had 30 medicines by my bed uh -huh. and I was out every night with you guys getting wasted and just being like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But I met you because I walked in and it was like the coffee shop show. Uh -huh. And you were sitting in the back and you were very nice. And I had diarrhea that night. And I spent, a, there was one bathroom and it was one stall. And I was so worried, like, oh my God, I'm meeting these people and I'm spending the whole night and shitting my brains out. <laughs> they probably think I'm snorting Coke or something in here.
<laughs> so I remember being like, and I think I even told you because I was like, well, he's a comic. He'll probably like, I was like, I have diarrhea. And you were like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I remember them telling me about Stand Up Live. And then I remember some people had the whispers like, you know, that's Jimmy Kimmel's sister. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just like, you know, okay, well, you know, yeah, like, you, yeah. you were just nice. She's from Phoenix. So, because yeah. I always, even though like sometimes uh, some of the Phoenix comics haven't been the most welcoming of me uh i know it's surprising i always feel connected to phoenix comics just you know why i'll tell you why i think it is why i think they felt like here's this talented guy from phoenix who left he left and now that leaves room for someone else to take his spot and now he's back fuck that like that's what i think i think they're like no 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 you left Ty Rivera, you left Michael Longfellow. You don't get to come back and do our room. Like that's, I feel like that's like, that's how I interpret that. Yeah. I, uh, and I'm, I'm willing to accept it, whatever it is yeah, at this like, point. You're like, okay, guess what bitches? I'm back. Yeah. At this point I'm cool either way. I don't even care anymore. Like for a minute it did bother me, you know, but now it's just like, whatever yeah, you it is. You perform everywhere else. So like, what does it matter where your home base is? Like, yeah. And I'm uh, very open to bringing people along and giving people, you know, introductions to different places. Yeah. It's and like, I mean, you've certainly like, you asked me to come here with you. I performed here a year ago. I did a guest spot and they were very nice or two years ago and they were very nice and they booked me last year to come out and I ended up having to cancel because I don't remember if it was like the Kevin Hart week. It may have been. It was something that I was doing that was like very important and they were very kind and they're like, we understand and I canceled and I haven't been able to get back in. Like I've asked a couple times, haven't been able to get a response and a few months ago you were like, hey, would you feature for me there? I was like, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you, a lot of people like see that I'm traveling a lot. They're like, oh, she's, so they don't even think like to ask me to do stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I still need help, like, with stuff. And it's nice that you, like, reach out and go, like, hey, you want to come here? And if I said no, you'd been like, cool. And someone else would have gotten the chance. Yeah, no, and thank you. And I'm the same way, like, when it comes to uh, – and this part I don't get upset about or bitter about. It's just something that happens. People assume that I don't want to do stuff, too, because they're like, oh, well, you're working enough. And I'm like, well, I always want to get to a new room or nice introduce to myself to – Yeah, so, I mean, like, I don't mind when people – offer me stuff brian vokey have you met brian vokey i don't think so he's in la he's in la now um but he was bay area and you know he's oh, a comic then no. but uh he was here not too long ago and he hit me up to see if i wanted to do a guest set on one of his shows and then another comic uh my friend carmen like told him she was like she was like you don't hit him up to see if he wants to do a guest set and then i was like oh no i would love to do hit a guest set. Yeah. yeah like let me know when you have guest sets i'll definitely if i'm around and i can do it i'll right. do it that's the problem i think so. i'm definitely torn between why would you ask me that and why wouldn't you ask me that i mean <laughs> and that's like my own thing like i it's almost like i'm never happy um you know, it's like no one invites me anywhere. I never go anywhere. I'm never doing. I mean, it seems like I'm going, play, but it's all my own stuff. It's like I'm going to this or I'm going to that. I'm working or I'm emceeing something. And sure, it looks like I'm at a fun event having fun, but I'm, I'm working or I'm with my family. That's a family. No one invites me anywhere. You but then really? people invite me places and I'm like, why the fuck would you invite me? <laughs> I'm the You've worst. really carved out your own niche, though, in Arizona as far as like. 
I would say you've cornered the high-end comedy market or emceeing. <laughs> well, and I think Phoenix. part of that is because I got very lucky to start with the clubs very early on. Dan Murr, who all comics know, but you know maybe your regular fans don't know, was the guy who ran one of the owners and ran the Tempe Improv. And it was really hard to work for. And I just got lucky. He knew that I was friendly with Jeff Ross and stuff. And I met him at one of Jeff's shows at the improv and my husband at the time actually said to Dan, Oh, Jill had just started doing stand up, And Dan was like, really? Well, you should come do our open mic once a month. We have what's called the best of Phoenix. It's on Sunday night. It's before the Sunday night show. It's at six o'clock. You should come to our show. And I said, Oh yeah. Now I knew nothing about comedy at the time. I'd been doing it for less than three months. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I submitted for that. Like, who the fuck was I, less than two months open mic or in, <laughs> submitting to be on the Best of Phoenix show? But I didn't know. I genuinely didn't know. And I submitted. And Phil Provencio, who went on to, like, manage Caroline's and stuff and is now, like, an amazing photographer, um, was like, yeah, well, I'll need to see a video. And, of course, I didn't have a video. I just started. So I was like, okay. So I told Dan, oh, yeah, I, I taught. they told me I had to submit a video. And Dan was like, yeah, no, you don't have to submit a video. And he told Phil, put her on the next show. And Phil was not happy. He was like, fuck this. As any booker of a show would be, like, who the fuck is this bitch? She's this two-month-in open mic comic. And now I'm being told by my boss I have to put her on the show. He did not like me for a while. And then Sean from the Comedy Spot found out that I was doing it and told me I couldn't do it because it was like the week before he had booked me at his club and he didn't want me to do it. And I took some really good advice. I happened to be at a wedding, my little brother's wedding, mm -hmm. and Sarah Silverman was there and Adam Carolla and Jeff Ross. And I spoke to them about it and they were like, absolutely not. You don't cancel something because another booker tells you unless you're headlining their club unless you're the headliner and they're like you know it's a week or two before you're going to take a draw away you're an open micer no way you do not cancel that show at the improv and i was like okay so i wrote a letter to sean and was like i'm not canceling this thanks for the opportunity but i guess i can't work for you and like that's how it started dan mar heard about that he liked that i did that and he started booking me to open no business opening. Yeah. I didn't even have five fucking minutes. I was referring back to my Excel spreadsheet <laughs> to try to stretch my set <laughs> to five minutes. I had no business doing that. And you, you had to be clean as an opener there yeah. at the time. They let you do five minutes up front. Thank God it was only five minutes. But he liked me. He took a liking to me. He was hard to work with. He was scattered. He was all over the place. But he really got me started. And then when he left the improv, he was one of the people who opened Stand Up Live. He introduced me to the people there, Joel and Matt. Mm -hmm. That's how I got involved with them. So that was all kind of serendipitous on that part. But as far as I go, like where I came in, I think also part of me kind of cornering the market, whatever you said, it's because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that. I think if I was just another white guy, no, my comedy is fun. It's funny. It's relatable. Sure, people like it. Am I cutting edge? No. Am I saying the most amazing, brilliant things? No. But I'm someone you feel like you ran into the break room at work and you just got your cup of coffee and you're like, I fucking love that girl. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go down in history as one of the great comedic geniuses, but I'm relatable and people can have fun watching me. And as a woman, I think I bring something to the emceeing this or... You know, I mean, who knows what it is? Is it that nowadays people know that they need to show respect for women? They're more aware of it, so they're more likely to pay attention. 
Who knows? I don't care. Yeah, but you are really funny though, and Thank you're you. just your natural silliness. You know, it's 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 really like last night. I because you know I I don't know what the rest of the week's gonna be like as far as me making time or being able to watch things. But I wanted to be able to watch at least one set. And last night I sat down and watched her set start to finish oh. and got genuine genuine laughs. Like there were oh, points really? where I was kind of disturbing the people that were sitting in front of me just because i was fucking dying in the back that is really nice thank you last night was fun it was a good crowd we had a good i mean you fucking killed it yeah but no you were like it was a good crowd but like you were killing it and it was funny funny so i wouldn't i wouldn't take away from that as far as you know and i appreciate like that means a lot but i do i do also know that you know, I try to be realistic about stuff. You know, I'm not like, yeah, I'm out here doing this. And it's, you know, look, yeah, it's fun. It's funny. I would definitely feel comfortable having anybody watch my set. And I feel like it can hold my own. But, you know, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not at the bottom. I'm not at the top. But I feel like it's my genuine voice. And so I feel good about that. Like, you know, I don't really watch other comedy unless it's live. Like I, Me I was, neither. Yeah, I'm yeah, not I don't, watching I don't want to get someone in my head. I Me don't neither. want Amy Schumer in my head. I don't want anyone in my head where it could influence like, oh, maybe I'll talk about that. No, I never want it to be maybe I'll talk about that. I want some funny shit to happen to me on the casino floor and come on stage and talk about that. You yeah. know? So it's interesting because, you know, people... There was one person who had said online one time on Facebook, like, I like to refer to some rooms in Phoenix as we don't book women. And I was like, I don't seem to have a problem. And she was like, well, I think you're the exception to the rule. And I'm like, well, that's really unfortunate. Like, and then it makes you second guess yourself. Is it because are people just being nice to me because Jimmy's my brother? Because you do think that. And I think, you know what, that is on you. If you're being nice to me because Jimmy Kimmel's my brother, then you're the asshole, not me. But it still makes you wonder. Yeah, I guess it has to. I think that that happens with everything, though. Like when people bring up like advantages that people have uh, or, you know, perceived advantages that people have. Yeah, perceived. When I did. um, Yeah, because obviously if you were working off being Jimmy Kimmel's sister, then you'd be somewhere other than, you know, doing the stuff that you're doing. Because you do a lot of, like, actual sure. comic stuff. It's not like, you know, yeah, I run oh, she's in Hollywood all the time. Every week yeah, and that I'm not going to get paid for for last night because no one showed up thanks to the freaking World Series. Those gringos, <laughs> if anybody wants to go check it out, South Tuesdays. <laughs> Tuesdays, South Tempe. <laughs> but, yeah. Please it, show up so I can get paid. Yeah, you're doing you're doing all the real comic stuff. That's why, you know, I, I don't, and I'll tell you the truth, I don't hear people saying that kind of stuff about you behind your back. That's good to know. Maybe yeah, like, they don't because they know you'll tell me. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I don't hear people saying the like, you know, oh, it's only because she's Jimmy Kimmel's. Because I don't think it's, I don't see that as valid just because, like I said, you're doing actual stuff. It's not like a bunch right. of And it's not like the audience favors. knows. Sure, they announce me, but half of the people are drunk or drinking or not paying attention. They don't realize what your last name is when you get up there. And I don't think most people would associate Jimmy Kimmel with Phoenix. You know what right, I mean? Like sure. as far as like, I mean, I do get the occasional like if I'm if people have time to think about the last name, like mm-hmm. when I'm paying for something, they're running my card, they're entering my information when they have time to think about it. I do get any relation to Jimmy. I do get that. And it's probably more just conversation on their part. And they genuinely don't think I'm going to say yes. And then you say yes. And they're like, really? I support Nuh-uh. Donald Trump. And I 
had that one time after a show. This woman was like, Oh, I lo- I just loved your work. Um, you know, like where can I find you on la- what's your la- what's your name when and I told her and she went, "Wait, Kimmel is and she asked and I said, "Yes, he's my brother." And she's like, "Well, I really like that you don't do political stuff. You don't bash our president <laughs> like your brother does. I appreciate that." And I go, um, she she go and I said, "Oh, well, I th- and I'm trying to be like, you know, like and I said, well, you know, I think every president's going to get jokes made fun about them, no matter who they are. And she goes, he didn't do that to Obama. And I go, well, okay, that's true. But Obama wasn't a giant piece of shit. Thank you so much for coming. I was like, she walked away like really confused. And I was just like, but yeah, it's interesting because there, here's what happens. The people who do that, like, oh, it's only because your brother. Oh, your brother hasn't even booked you on his show. Oh, well, guess what? There's a lot of really fucking good comics that haven't been on my brother's show. Mm -hmm. And why? Because he doesn't really have stand-ups on very often. Because when they have a stand-up on, that means they're not having a live band. And when they don't have a live band, they lose the advertising money for that outdoor stage that they have. So for them, it pays them to have a live band on and they lose money is how the network looks at it to have a stand-up comedian on. Yeah. So it is rare that a stand-up comic gets on. I probably would shit myself if I was ever on that show. It's probably a good idea. It's probably not a good idea for me to ever even go on because I would be – I could do a million things. And Jimmy is still my big brother. He's not Jimmy Kimmel to me. He's my big brother who I – you know wrote on his Steve Garvey autograph and ruined and (laughs) hung up every time his best friend Cleto called because I was on the other line with my boyfriend. Like that's who I am to him. He is my big brother. And so I am always nervous that I'm going (laughs) to, you know, disappoint him. So it's different for me, but when people get mad at me or they're trying to one up me or prove some point or some shit, there's a local comic. I won't even mention his name because he's not worth it. Um, you know, recently he had said something. We we had kind of gone back and forth on our friendship, and we kind of buried the hatchet ish about a year ago. And then he recently said something about someone that I thought was shitty, and I was like, and I wasn't even necessarily friends with the person he said it about, but I was like, that was kind of shitty of you to say here on Facebook about them. And he kind of went in on me and was like, oh yeah, okay, and like talking about, oh your own brother won't even. I'm like, first of all, I do weekly Facebook videos that my brother collaborates with me on and pays me to do so don't fucking talk about anything you don't know about first of all so he does employ me to some degree so let's start with that is what i wanted to say but he blocked me before i got a chance um and you know it's people like that who want to say shit like that about and oh is it's, it's like when you're drunk and your real feelings come out is that what it is is that really what you think or is this the only ammo you have oh yeah no i have people do shit like that to me all the time like not too long ago somebody hit me up and they were like um yeah that's why you haven't been working the road as much and don't think people don't notice that your schedule and i was just like am i asking you for money to pay my bills yeah and i got tired of always being on the road and i f- i feel like right now i'm really building my youtube and my right. social media that way because i feel like i would rather go out like build this right now and then go on the road a little bit less right now make better money when i go out because i've built this You're more in demand yeah instead sure. of continuing because i could continue to work the road like i did for the last what four or five years now where it's been ridiculous and a lot of travel but the money hasn't really lined up. And so at a point, you can either try to blame the industry and be like, they're not doing this. But with so many avenues for us to make our own lane, 
It's like, why do I want to sit home and be bitter about that or pull even pull the like, pick me, pick me, pick me when I can just say I'm going to work on this every day. Anyone who says to you you're not working the road as much and all of that isn't a road comic either. They have no. They see it. What they see is they see us on the road. You're working. Wow, Ty's here, there, everywhere. He's in this place. Okay, what they don't realize is we're in these little shitty-ass casinos mm-hmm. or tiny towns. And sure, it's $700 for the two nights. That might sound like a lot to you, but I also had to get there. Yeah. I had to drive there. I had to risk getting a ticket. I have to cover my insurance, my gas money, which is through the roof, food while I'm there. So they pay for And then I got to get back. So now I'm like, okay, can I bring my own feature with me? If so, can we split the cost of gas? Can they drive? Can I drive? What if she gets a ticket and she's driving? Do we split the ticket? Like, people don't realize that. It's not that much money. I did a show in Houston uh, over the summer-ish, a couple months ago, that somebody, I guess there was a fallout or something. Mm -hmm. And I had one of the local guys, EJ Nonstop, cool guys, called me up and said, hey, you know, I don't know him that well, but he was like, hey, are you free next week? And I was like... I actually am. And he's like, can you do this show? I was like, yeah, thinking it was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, so it's in Houston. I go online and the tickets are $600 round trip. I was going to make like $80. Whatever the ticket was, I was going to make like 80 bucks yeah. after paying for my hotel, let alone my food while I was there. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, it's a good opportunity to get in with the club. And then, you know, next time I go, because it was such a last minute ticket. So I was like, well, next time I go, it would only be like $300. So I'll make like, you know, and this is like the logic in my head. And the club was actually nice enough and gave me a little extra money because they knew that it was a last minute ticket. So it was very kind of them that they did that. But People don't understand. We are not – when you're working the road, that's the least amount of if, – if you're working corporate gigs and cruise ships, okay, look at me because now I've got money. Well, and that's the other thing people don't get. In a lot of cases, it's the gigs that we don't advertise or have to advertise that float all right. the rest of the bullshit that we have to do that you just described. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Mark so it's Cordis like- all the time. Like once in a while he'll be like on a plane to Alaska and this is my view. But he's not like tonight doing a show for Coca-Cola yeah. for a thousand people and making $30 million or whatever it is. No, because we don't have to advertise those gigs because they're private. You can't come to it anyway. Yeah. So if someone's putting online all their corporate gigs, unless it's like, hey, this was fun. Like I did a awards show a couple weeks ago and like it was for the te- the city of Tempe and Sparky the ASU Sun Devil came and that was fun so I posted a picture with Sparky this was fun but like if someone's posting all of their corporate gigs and shit why why are you doing that you're trying to make yourself look busy which is great we see that you're busy but like we don't need to see that yeah no i feel the same way yeah with with corporates and uh college gigs and stuff like that it's always like well in most cases, the general public can't come anyway, so why am I going to advertise right. it or act like, you know, Sure. you can't be like, catch me at. It's like, I nobody can I might be like, go. hey, come into Houston because I have friends there. And oh, like, yeah. hey, let's go hang out. I'll be there for two days or something. But, yeah, people don't understand. And I generally find the people that do the most bitching are the people with the least time, least amount of uh, the most amount of time on their hands. Yeah, because they don't have shit going. Yeah. It's like, you're talking about me not having anything going. Why are you paying attention to my schedule? Right. Because I'm not paying attention to anybody's schedule. I don't go, go back online. Go to your day and- job and your open mics like we did. Like we started like we were doing. I'm still fucking poor. I don't have a day job, but I'm poor as shit. You know what I mean? And like, but I am doing what I love. And I would rather struggle and be like, okay, in the grocery store, literally checking my credit card balance. Should I put it on my credit card this time or should I actually use money? Because I might need the money for something. I'd rather do that than be 
suffocated at a day job where I'm too tired to even do comedy. Yeah, and that's something I've never, like, tried to put off. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm so rich right now. Right. Or, like, you know, yeah, I struggle like everybody else. I've never else. been rich. Once in a while, I have a little flush moment, uh -huh. you know, that I'm like, oh, hey. Uh -huh. You know, and, like, I'm like, I got a little. And then I'm like. You're balling, but, but should, you got to watch it. But I'm not balling, right, because I'm like, but I got nothing scheduled for next month because yeah, I got I mean, comfortable. Fuck, I know. So. I know balling, but right. got to watch it. Yeah. I've been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I can buy a couple pairs of shoes. I feel like yeah. I'm doing it big. Right? And then I'm like, I literally took my kids balance. for new glasses. <laughs> hey. Better check that balance. Don't get too carried for away. For real. It's so that way. It's like I got my tax refund. I was like, what's up, bitches? <laughs> it's the worst. But it's so interesting because, like, my boyfriend just moved in on Friday. And everyone's like, oh, that's my friends are like, oh, that should be good for you. Like, if he's splitting the bills, that's awesome. I'm like, no, he's splitting the rent. But I haven't paid my dad and mom rent that my parents own my house in, like, four years. So now it's I'm going to be in the hole. Because he made a big deal of like, you know, he's like, my parents own the house outright, so I haven't paid them anything because they're generous and kind and they know I'm struggling and they're like, it's already paid for, don't worry about it. But he's like, I'll be damned if I live somewhere for free. He's like, I'm paying. And so now I'm like, wait, dad, okay, he's going to pay half, but do I still have to pay my half? <laughs> now you're just making me look bad. Now you're I'm not like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> but I don't want to tell him that. <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, I, there's part of me that still, like, wants to be, like, the girl that he respects. What if he's like, bitch, you better pay your half of the rent. Just have him listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just and have him totally listen to this will. episode. And, and be like, like... And you started off talking about your ex-husband, really. <laughs> no, he's the greatest guy. My ex actually called me, like, a week ago, and he was like, hey, do you think Jason could um, help me get started selling stuff on Amazon? Because Jason is this stainless steel water bottle company that he owns called goactiveliving.com um, go to his website to buy before you go to Amazon because it's better but he sells on Amazon and they're these great stainless steel water bottles it's like a hydro flask but a lot cheaper same quality great and my ex-husband was like do you think he could help me figure out like how to sell my stuff on Amazon so I said to Jason uh so he wants to know and he was like I was like you don't have to he's like I don't mind He's like, if it helps him out, I don't mind helping someone learn how to do that. I had to have someone help me, you know, learn how. And he's like, and if it if it's he's making money through that, that's better for the kids. Yeah, and, and like, you guys, who are you, man? <laughs> and you seem seem super super happy. Like he's when I see you on, guy. um, what's it called? Insta or Facebook? Both. Or? Yeah, I know. Everywhere. <laughs> the shit chill enough we get it jay scruff jay is the, but like late, recently yeah, when he had the, yeah you called him jay, jay scruff, scruff. Well, that's what my son calls him when he grows the beard he's like what's up jay scruff he's cute he's a great guy i was very fortunate to meet him andrew slater who's an awesome comic we all know andrew and brant tobler were in town in phoenix and they were with the three of us were doing a show together and brant texted brant actually was living in phoenix at the time and um, he texted me. He's like, hey, I'm going to go to lunch. I'm in your neighborhood. You want to meet us? So I met him, and I didn't even know Andrew was with him. I thought he was with this other friend of ours. And Andrew has been best friends with Jason since they were two years old. They grew up one house apart from each other in Seattle. And so Jason lived in Arizona. Andrew was in town. So Jason was with him. So they all came to lunch, and I show up, no makeup. I had just gotten out of the shower. I had mowed the lawn and just gotten out of the shower, like baseball hat. I roll up and I'm like, who is this guy? He had like these sparkly eyes. I don't know. I was just like, I really like dug him. Not my type at all. Blonde, shorter than I was used to. He's like 5'10". He's not short, but he's like 5'10". Yeah. Like my ex was like 6'4", like a behemoth. And he just, there was something 
sweet and crooked about his smile. I don't know what it was, but I instantly was like, I like this guy. But I was trying not to flirt with him because I didn't want Brant to make fun of me. I didn't know. I was just like, and I told my friend that day, my friend Lou, I was like, I met this guy today. Like, I don't know. I, I met him and she's like on match because I had been on match.com for a few months. I was like, no, in real life, he's Brant's friend and he's going to be at the show tonight. And she was like, I'm coming. So we went to the show. I went and did a corporate gig that night and I had to like dress up for it. And I changed in my car in the parking lot, which I do all the time, to wear regular clothes to go do the show at Rock Bar in Scottsdale. And Brant and Andrew were there with Jason. And we struck up a conversation. I like gave my number. I did one of these like, you know, if you ever want to go to a show or whatever, let me know. I'll get you on a guest list. You know, there's no reason for you to pay for tickets if, you know, kind of thing. And we texted for about two and a half weeks, but nothing like uh-huh. very like he was like, oh, hey, I'm in Vegas for a trade show. I know you're from here. Can you recommend somewhere to get good mac and cheese? Because we talked about that. I like like it was like that. It wasn't like texting, you know, and um, it was a Sunday night, two and a half weeks after we met. And I had done a like a charity event and he was supposed to come to it. Brant was going to come. It was kind of like, oh, you should come. And he was like, sure. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be there at about eight. And I said, it ends at 630. And he's like, oh, you guys aren't going to hang out? I was like, no. Like, this is, once it's over, no one's here. And he was like, oh, damn, I can't make it. And I was like, all right, well, you know, sad that I missed you. And I said, that's how what I texted him. I said out loud, why am I bothering? And I was like, done. I'm like, it's been two and a half weeks. The next day, he texts me. He's like, I really wish I had seen you last night. I want to take you out before I leave. I'm going to China on Thursday for a month for work. And I would like to see you before I leave. And I was like, okay. So we went out Tuesday night, and that was it. Just hit it off a year and a half ago. Yeah, and then, like, it was fast from there. Well, at Facebook, it felt fast. You know what I mean? Like, as I saw, like, a bunch of you guys. I had assumed you guys lived together this whole time. Everybody when I says that, and I never really said differently because, I mean, what are you going to say? Like, and when Jason went home to his apartment today, I no, but it was just I think that we always, he's one of these guys that, like, he doesn't, make me feel like I gotta say after being with someone for so long who my ex-husband wasn't an asshole he wasn't a dick he just we grew apart very early on in the relationship and made it last way longer than it should have we fought about almost everything and we just had a lot of different fundamental philosophies on things and with Jason it's like my ex-husband always made me feel kind of embarrassed to be me. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning where he would do this, okay, Jill Kimmel, uh-huh. like it was an insult. He almost made me feel like I should be ashamed of who I was for whatever reason. I think looking back, he was jealous of like the strong family I have and the pride I have in my family. And so he would try to put me down about it. Um, but with Jason, it's like I call him and he's excited to hear from me. He calls me and it's not, hey, um, the, the, it's hi, Jilly Pie. Like it's excitement and it's fresh. And a year and a half later, we're still happy to see each other and greeting and kisses. And it's so shocking to me yeah. because I've never had that. That it's like I still got to pinch myself. I really 
am amazed. Yeah, you guys, it it reads on Facebook as that. And and nothing's perfect. Obviously, we have things, we have times where he's like, you were yelling at me. I'm like, I wasn't yelling. And he's like, see, you're yelling. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not yelling. And then I'm like, and now I'm yelling. You know, like, he doesn't yell. His family wasn't, they're not yellers. And so, and I'm like, so I like Googled it. Because I'm like, okay, well, I want to be a better person. And I, I said to him, okay, listen, I had a theory and I Googled it and I went online and I'm, I'm not yelling at you. It may sound like yelling to you, but I do have a low voice. I have kind of a deeper timber. And when I get excited about anything, think about when I'm even happy, excited, like, oh my God, I got this show. Oh, my voice raises, it elevates. So I'm not yelling. And so we like had this talk about the physiological act. And he's like, <laughs> Thank you for like looking like that actually makes sense to me because like when I hear yelling, it makes me have anxiety. Like, and we talk about stuff and it's like, holy shit, somebody who wants to like work through an issue as opposed to just for the rest of my life, holding it against me that I'm loud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that brings us to where I want to get to and where, where we're going to wrap up. Cause there's <laughs> one story that I have to know about that I don't know the details about and it's completely shifting gears, but it was your incident in Tucson at oh last God. comedy cafe. Okay. So uh, first off, are you going back to last or do you have a plan? Of going I don't back? have anything booked there, but yes, I would absolutely go back. Okay. So I'll make it like the reader's digest version ish. I go down to Laughs in Tucson, which is an amazing club. Tempe Improv is my home club, my favorite club, always will be. But Laughs, something about that room. So I don't know if it's because there's no other comedy down there other than just like local rooms. But they are dying to laugh. And if you cannot kill in Laughs, you need to quit comedy because that room is fantastic. Can't say enough good things about the room. No, 100%. I go on stage. Flip Schultz is the headliner. Super great guy. Also met him at SLO. So you and I have the same anniversary as he and I of meeting. (laughs) And he's the headliner. And I'm on stage and I'm featuring. And I'm doing a bit which was new. It was literally like the second time I had done it. I was talking about when... There's someone you just don't like, and it doesn't matter what they do, you don't like them, and you can't find anything nice to say. And I was saying, there's this one girl I just do not like, and I stalk her Instagram, clearly from a fake account, because I'm not an idiot. God forbid I accidentally hit like on something. I know. I do it from a fake account, and there's nothing this girl can do that can make me say anything nice about her because I hate her. And it was talking basically how immature it is of me. That's where the joke was coming from. It was making fun of me, how immature I am, that it doesn't matter what the... Look at this bitch over here curing cancer. Can you believe the nerve on her? That's how the joke went. This woman gets up, comes to the stage... And starts yelling at me, you don't talk about cancer. You never talk about cancer. And I'm looking at her like, is this bitch for real? She's And the stage in Tucson is kind of low. So she's, I mean, it's like a maybe a four-inch rise. Very easy to step on and off. So she's saying this to me, and I'm going, are we really doing this right now? Kind of thing. Well, apparently her friend who she was with, the friend, let's just call the friend, I don't know, Angie. Okay. And so the lady's at the stage yelling at me. Let's call her Becky. Becky's yelling at me, Angie's daughter has cancer. So I guess when I said the thing about cancer, Angie got up with her husband and they left the showroom. Now Becky sees that Angie left. She stands up to, you know, my friend's daughter had cancer. She just left the room because of you kind of thing. And so 
I didn't know this, but this is what she's yelling at me. Now, the crowd is super into whatever Becky and I have going on. Yeah. They're cheering us on. They're cheering me on. So I'm, as a comedian, like, this is all right. So I'm saying things to her like, you look like the kind of bitch that wants to talk to a manager. Is that is that you? <laughs> you know, she's got the haircut. She's got a purse over her arm. Her nails are done. Her glass of white wine in her hand. She's yelling at me. And the crowd's loving it. So I'm kind of, I see, now I see cell phones come out. I'm like, oh, it's being recorded. So there's that in my head. And she's like, we're about to go viral. That's what I'm (laughs) thinking. That's what I'm hoping, you know? And so, but I'm thinking for this altercation, this argument, like who knows? It could be a funny, whatever. Oh, heckler tells off, or comic tells off heckler is like what's in my mind. And so I'm kind of going back and forth with her. Yeah, thinking back on it. I could have been less aggressive. I could have calmly been like, can I finish my jokes here? Like, if you want to talk about the cancer thing, I could have done that. But this had never happened. Crowd's kind of into it. It's kind of one of these, oh, let's see what happens things. So she is talking to me. I'm talking shit to her. We're talking shit back and forth. At one point, she steps on the stage. Now, like I said, it's a low stage. So not. I put my hand on her chest. I push her back off the stage, just kind of guide her back. And I go, no, no, we're not doing that. And then I go, can we get security up here? Everybody knows at any little club in America, no, they don't have security. They've got a sound guy and the manager and the headliner, which was Flip Schultz, all coming towards the stage when they heard me say that. And they make their way to the stage and it's dark and there's a lot of tables and they got to make their way around. By the time they get to her, she's already engaged in whatever back and forth we've got going on. You could see it online, I'm sure, somewhere. Google Jill Kimmel Comedy Club Tucson Assault. And... They go to, like, approach her, basically, to go, come on, away, and she throws her glass at me. Not just the drink, but the glass. Luckily, it doesn't hit me. It goes whizzing past me, but I'm like, oh, my God. So I kind of kick out at her, like, get away. She jumps on the stage, grabs me by my hair, pulls my head to one side, so she's got me, like, locked. Digs her nails into my face, and now the manager, the sound guy, and the headliner are surrounding us, trying to pull us apart, not very successfully, And finally managed to get her off of me. The friend, Angie, at this point, comes back into the room, sees what's going on, gets on stage and says to me, I am so sorry. I just had to leave the room to compose myself because, you know, you said cancer and and I, you know, got upset, but I wasn't angry. I don't know why she would do that. And then the friend is getting pulled off the stage. Becky, she goes to hit me again. So I lunge at her. I hit her with the microphone. I take yeah, the microphone. I kind of just tap at her with the microphone. You see it on the video. Uh-huh. They put, and then Angie goes to hit me. And I'm like, your friend tried to hit me again. It was the weirdest shit ever. Uh. They get Becky off stage. They get her out of the club. They carry Angie off stage. I look around at the crowd. I yell, world star. <laughs> and then I introduce the headliner. Super weird. I get out to the lobby. I have this lawyer come up to me and say, I'm a lawyer. I videotaped the whole thing. I'll send it to you. I got a picture of Angie, or whatever her name was, license plate. I Her name and phone number, she called the club, apparently, yelling at them. Who the fuck knows? So we have that information. Great. I make a police report. They, I guess they must have talked to Angie because they had her license plate. And um, they tell, uh, I leave them alone for three months. And I call to find out what the status of the report is. They go, oh. You made the report May 24th. We closed it May 25th. We don't know who assaulted you. I go, I have it on video. He goes, yeah, but we don't know her name. I go, yeah, but you have the license plate of the person she drove there with. Well, ma'am, we can't make her tell us who the person was that assaulted you. They couldn't. I'm like, she's not an accessory to this. She was with the woman who assaulted me. You can't say to her, well, you know, you need to tell us. No, they can't. 
So case closed. I guess I just get assaulted for nothing. Really? Yeah, that's it. Tucson police did nothing. I know they got bigger fish to fry. But guess what? This woman assaulting someone after a couple of glasses of white wine because she's offended at a comedy club, a joke they made that I was the joke was about me. It wasn't even about cancer. Yeah, that's what else is she going to do? Yeah, that's 100 percent not about cancer. Or, you know, it's right, just at all. You and had I get to it. use even, an ailment. Something. If the lady came to me and said, listen, I'm really sorry about that night. I was drinking. My friend had just found out that her daughter had cancer. It got escalated when I saw the guys approaching me. I freaked out. I threw the glass. That's all I want. I don't want her to go to jail. I don't want her doing community service by this side of the road. I don't need a lawsuit, a fine, none of that. Like an apology would be nice if you really feel bad about it. But like apparently that's never going to happen because I don't know who she is. But if you watch the video, Jill Kimmel gets assaulted at Laughs Comedy Club in Tucson. And you know who the woman is who assaulted me if you recognize her. Please contact me on Instagram or Twitter at It's Me Jill Kimmel and let me know who she is. Because I would really like to confront her that she left a very small but, you know, noticeable to me scar on my lip when her nails were digging in my face. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. And let it's her know on, that she should have worn Spanx under that dress. Will you Pia. shut your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it's on YouTube? It is, I think. Um, if it's not, I'm going to make it. You know what? I'm going to make it public today. I think it's private because during the time I was like, okay, you know, there's going to be an investigation. Now I'm like, fuck it. I'll make it public. Yeah. If yeah. it's on YouTube, let me know you and I'll share it and you know, be like... <laughs> You guys want to see what we're and talking about? And to be about. fair, I didn't look that good that night either. I don't know what I was wearing, but I look like a stuffed sausage. But well, um, you shut up! I'm you didn't saying. even notice like a stuffed sausage vibe. I would have noticed that. It was a skinny would... sausage, but like a breakfast sausage, but a sausage nonetheless. I hate you so much. <laughs> I gotta say this: when Tyra Vera says he hates you, it's a huge stamp of honor. <laughs> I adore it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now I do hate you. A <laughs> breakfast sausage, not a, not a big sausage, but right, a, breakfast. Like a little smoky. <laughs> well, this has been uh, even more fun than I thought it was going to be. This I knew it was going to be fun, but yeah, this is a good conversation. We should go jump on your bed now. I we should jump on my bed. <laughs> Actually, nothing else is going to happen it's on it. It's funny because the Stratosphere Hotel is in literally the shittiest neighborhood in Vegas, uh -huh. but the hotel itself is fun. Yeah. And there's a huge food selection, and it's nice, and the rooms are nice and comfortable, and the comedy club is great. It really is. L.A. Comedy Club, which confuses some people because they hear L.A. and they think L.A. You're like, no, Vegas. It's the L.A. Comedy Club. You don't know how Inside, many times I've been I know. I had to answer that. Yeah. Inside the Stratosphere, the L.A. Comedy Club, and it's run by Matt Sanchez and his brother, whose name escapes me, and Joaquin. And, like, what a great – from the bartender to the sound guy, the staff is great, so accommodating, fun room. Like, you really have to come out. And the shows are at 8 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, there's a different show. So if you want to come to a late show, but, like, really fun, reasonable prices, and you can get, like, a locals code – Right now, there's like a local code. If you look at it, it's like backslash. I think it's like CHS because I went to Clark High School, something like that. I think it's like buy one, get one free. Oh, nice. So, yeah, if you want to do that. I mean, great room. And there's also the um, all you can drink, like where they can pay for a bracelet oh. and get all you can drink. Because, you know, you can buy your drinks regular. Sure. Or you can do, I think, I don't. I don't want to lie or give the wrong amount, so I don't but there remember is that how option? much. Yeah, but there That's is great. an all-you-can-drink where you buy a bracelet, and then you know for the whole for the duration of the show. Then so just so everybody knows, because I saw somebody being mad about that, and I was like. How did you think it worked? What did you think? All night? You're going to stay till next week? Yeah, like the, the show doesn't end and you just 
can drink because right. there was a lady that walked up to me afterwards and she was from like Ireland, I think she said. And, you know, so she had that really thick accent and she was like, this is a rip. And I was just like, what? And she was like, there are crooks in there. And I was just like. There are crooks in there. What it, year is this? Yeah. Is this a pirate movie a or some kind? Yeah, I was like, everything she was doing, and like, but I was trying to stay and quiet. where's your booty? Hey, yeah, I, don't, really I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to stay quiet because there was a big part of me that felt like this woman is mad enough that she could hit me right now. Uh, see, and you don't want that. You don't want a scar on your pretty face. Yeah, I'll be the next Jill Kimmel. Oh, yo, God forbid. Ugh. Yeah, this was fun. So definitely if you guys are, you're going to post this probably soon because you're really good about that. Yeah, I'll probably post it. People can come out. We're here every night through Sunday night. Sunday night will be the last night. So we still have tonight, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be fun. And they have like different hosts every night, which is fun for us because we see something different. Yeah, it's going to be. And that that does make it fun here. Just really quick. I'm going to tell you a quick story about what happened to me here one time. There was this crazy bitch one time that showed up to the show. And mind you, I don't like this girl because she cornered me in in a Target. Oh, when I'm doing my errands, I don't really care about comedy. You know what I mean? Like people coming up to me and stuff like that. And it was one of those situations where she stopped me in Target and she decided to talk to me. And I was like, fine, you know, whatever. It's not my favorite. I just want to get out of here. This was in L.A. And I was, you know, L.A., the traffic's crazy. So you're trying to get everything done so that you before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like, whatever. And so she's talking to me about her life way more than I need to. And so I'm like, all right, well, what that happened. So I walk away. Then later on, I see her like searching through the aisles, apparently to find me again. So she finds me and she was like, hey, Ty, can I can I get your phone number? Uh, I um I wanted to send you a clip just in case you ever need anybody. And then I was just looking at her and I was like, you know, not feeling comfortable at all. But at the same time, I didn't want to be an asshole. So I send her I, I give her my number and then she ends up sending this clip and i'm not being mean it's just horrible and i kn- i'd known her to be horrible already so yeah. it wasn't like this was a surprise but i just you know you were hoping maybe that you'd be pleasantly surprised <laughs> yeah but i also was still i still was upset just cuz i was like i felt so uncomfortable and i felt like don't do this to my people my answer would have been oh actually it's better if you send it to me on facebook because I'm always checking that. You're so smart. And yeah, so I know. Believe me, I have it all the time because I have the double layer of I'm a comedian. People approach me and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I so she sends it to me and it's terrible. So then uh, I, I see her here. Like it turned out she lived here for a little while or start or was visiting extended, you know, like had to be here for a couple of weeks or something like that. So I see her here and then. She walks up to me and I'm still annoyed because of that day that she right. cornered me and the fact that her tape was terrible on top of that. Right. You know, so How I'm dare like you. all the way around, <laughs> not feeling this bitch. So she walks up to me and like, you know, we're in the green room and she's like, oh, hey, Ty. And she tries to come up and hug me and I just stay seated. And then she's like, oh. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it like that. Oh, <laughs> And then she was like, uh, she was like, I was wondering if, uh, if you might, she goes, oh, well, um, I was wondering if you mind if I, um, get a set, you know, if I, if I can host maybe a night or something like that. 
And I just was like, you know, I don't handle any it's of really that. really up to the club. Yeah, I was like, you and know. And then you run to the manager. Do not let her have a set. Well, you know, I did her one better. I went ahead and just told her that, that I don't handle any of it. And I left it in their hands completely. Right. I didn't say anything good or bad. I just, you know, let them completely handle it. They told her that, you know, because I guess she had come in before and done a set and it was terrible. Oh. And so they just told her, yeah, we don't have any room this week. So then she goes to every local comic here in Vegas that'll listen to her and tells them that I got her pulled off the shows here. Pulled and off. that she was already, yeah, and that she was supposed to host the whole week. And because you said there's a different host every night, that was what reminded me because uh. I remember being like, anybody that works this club knows, knows right. you don't have a, a host for the whole week. So the fact that you're telling people that I got you pulled off and you were the host for the whole week lets everybody know that you're being a liar. Wow. Yeah. That's the shit. Crazy. There were a couple comics in town that would tell everyone who would listen that I was the reason they weren't getting booked at Stand Up Live in the Improv. I'm like, bitch, I wish I had that kind of power. You're the reason you're not yes. getting booked at Stand Up yes. Live. Yes. I'm like, yes. You know, guess what? I could give my input because I know the bookers. That doesn't mean they're going to listen to me yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know the bookers and could say anything. I could say, guess what? The sky's going to be purple today. Well, does that mean it's going to happen? Like, get the f take responsibility for your own shit. Yeah, that, and that's what it, and that's what it comes down to with a lot of people in this business. It's I like one you time do. saw a comic posting that she was going to be performing at some comedy club, Madhouse in San Diego, uh -huh. and I thought to myself, why aren't I performing there? I'm as good as her. Like, if there, my my go-to of whether I even reach out to a club to be booked is I look at the other headliners, mm -hmm. and I feel like, am I on their par? If not, if it's like these names and stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll reach out as a feature act. But if it's like, you know, people at my level, I feel like, okay, I could reach out. And I thought, well, I'm at her level. I could certainly headline there. Why am I not headlining there? And then I realized, because I've never reached out to them. Yeah. Why am I annoyed that this person has reached out and or made contact with friends, whatever, and is it, get your ass in gear, hustle, look online, find names of bookers, send out requests, and guess what I did? And I didn't hear back from that club, but I heard back from three others yeah. that one of them booked me, and then one of them was actually Rick Bronson at House of Comedy. And he was opening the new club in Phoenix. And that's how I started booking the openers for that room when I did that for a year and a half or whatever. So reach out to bookers. Send a video. Be concise. Be polite. Don't be a dick. Fucking A. The truth is nobody's sabotaging you. Nobody's Nobody. Nobody's that concerned with any one of us right, right. now. It's like, right. I couldn't give a shit less. Yeah. I mean, I may say this guy, you know, if someone like physically beat me up or something, I might say to my buddies, uh, Brian Ritchie, who's brick in a room, you see, hey, Brian's one of my best friends. You really booking this asshole? Do you know what he said to me? Now you be the judge. And Brian, as my friend, will go, oh, yeah, I fucking won't book him then. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm certainly not going to reach out to Matt Komen at Stand Up Live <laughs> and be like, I have beef. Lowercase beef, but still beef with so-and-so who you've never heard of but may reach out at some point. If they do, put a little flag notice for that. If you get a notification, 
don't book. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. of course, Jill, anything for you. We're dealing with Joe Coy right now yeah. and Chris D'Elia, right. but we're going to take a minute right. because you are facilitating Bill Burr, so <laughs> yeah, well, you... <laughs> let me put that on the back burner, bitch. <laughs> let me go ahead and put this on a post-it because real quick. what people don't realize is when you try, if you were the kind of person who tried to get someone blackballed from something for anything other than a very good reason, like he raped my friend, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if that's like a, hey, just a heads up, this guy is doing this. If it's for anything less than something extremely serious, you look like the asshole. Yeah. Even if you're warranted, even if the booker says, shit, I wish you would have told me what a pain in the ass this fucking person was. You still run that risk of looking like the person who's like, by the way, don't mean to get in your business, but let me quickly miss Kravitz this bitch and let you know. You look like the asshole. So guess what? If you're the kind of person that's trying to do that to people, be warned that bookers are looking at you as the troublemaker. And they better be fun, not be funny yeah. if you do that. Yes. Because if that booker looks at them, like gets curious and looks at them and they're funny. Right. It's like now he's there's funny a good chance. And he's a murderer. <laughs> yeah, now, Let's do this. Now there's a good chance they're getting booked. Yeah. So Notoriety, you, you just made that happen. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, Jill so Kimmel. So good to be here. Yeah, no, I'm Change glad we got to have Change my name your phone, chat. please. Now, okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you deserve to be Jill Kimmel now that <laughs> we did you. Unbothered. Everybody, thank you for listening. And whatever you do, stay unbothered.